Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. I want to be sensitive to the move of the Spirit tonight. So maybe if you have a word or God moves in your heart, I know this can be a little, sometimes we're not sure about that, but you know what? This is a book of Acts. This is a book of Acts. It's what the apostles did after Jesus went back to the Father, filled with the Spirit, spoke a word from God, and so we want to be sensitive to that tonight. We're in, thank you, Christina, come on. Come here, come up here, Christina. Now just stay with me for just a couple of minutes. I'm going to show you what the Lord has put on my heart and some incredible circumstances he prophetically placed in my life, and it's all for this evening. I wrote this just before I came here tonight. The Lord is going to have me take you somewhere really cool. When I was 16, I caught a five-foot rattlesnake with my bare hands, but my daddy cut its head off. I had a literal flock of sheep at that time that I was protecting. I chased bears to protect my family. When I was 23, I faced and chased two bears to protect my family. The men stayed behind me while I led the charge. Unlike King David, the bears did not try to fight me. They fled from before me. The bears of evil run from before me, before all of us. But the snakes that threaten my flock, when I catch them, Daddy God, Daddy Jehovah, he cuts their heads off. He hears my cry, and he comes prepared to kill the enemy who threatened to wound and kill his beloved child. All of us are his children. The snake among my flock is here right now, and I'm going to catch it, and my daddy God is going to chop its head off. David was strengthened supernaturally to conquer and kill an abomination called Goliath of Gath, a direct threat to the flock, and David severed that mutant giant's ugly head right off his shoulders. The venom of the snake we face is the deception that Satan has lied over our lies. The lie of complacency, that it's okay, that it's okay to be sleepy, sheepy church. Eh, We have the antidote, and it's the word of God. His word is the only thing that can heal that ugly devil snake bite. If you're already bit, get in God's word and drink that anti-venom. The, the living word of our living, loving Father God, it's, his, it's in his heart to love you back to life, to never leave you scared and wounded. These spiritual demonic bears that made their way into your camp are afraid and hungry. If you stand against them, they will flee. They only look big and scary if you forget Daddy God is right there with you. They are hungry for destruction and afraid that you will come to know that to know whose you are and you will only know whose you are if you know your daddy God. And the only way to know him is to spend time with him. So wake up family of the Lord God almighty. Don't run, spend time in the word and prayer to know your father in heaven's heart. His heart is for you. There is a prophetic message regarding the rattlesnake I caught and the bears I chased. I was 16 when I caught that snake 23 years ago. I was 23 when I chased those bears, and now it is 2023. The story is so much for a time as this. 2023 is a very important spiritual year. This is the year we're going to have Daddy God save us from the snake that we caught in our lives and we cannot kill on our own. Whatever that might look like in your life, you only know whether it 
I don't know, whether it be immorality, lying, shame, unforgiveness, anything of the world that has its fangs in you, I want you to know that almighty daddy God is coming to your rescue. I remember standing on top of that foothill, yelling down to my dad, holding that rattlesnake above my head, screaming, I got a snake, just screaming for my dad to come and help me. I didn't, I didn't have what I needed to go to defeat it on my own or even to let it go. But my daddy did. He came up that hill on the three-wheeler. Okay. Anyway, he came, with, he came and he took that big old ugly snake and he took its head right off with his knife. So I encourage you to lift up your hands to daddy God and cry out, I got a snake. Ask him to rescue you like only he can. Cry out to the Lord with hands raised to heaven and ask daddy God, tell him what you've got or what's got you and lift your hands and pray and praise the Lord for your freedom now. And I just thank God that he freed me from that snake. I pray that all of you can be released from whatever snakes got a hold of you, that Jesus comes and he removes it. He's going to come with a mighty sword and cut it off of you right now in Jesus' name. I thank you that it be immorality, lust, lingering doubts in your mind about who your Savior is. That that Daddy God comes and he removes all doubt and he casts your fear away in Jesus' name. Thank you for letting me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is a word for us tonight. I had no idea that God had put something on our heart. I just... Since we need to open that up to let God speak to our hearts. God is alive. The Holy Spirit's alive. And uh, we're going to just read from his word tonight. And I pray that God will just touch your hearts as we talk about this guy named Saul. Now, you probably won't get this, most of you, but bear with me. So if you want protection from the bad guys, who are you going to call? Call Saul. Some of you get it. If you want to take out a nefarious underground mafia figure, who are you going to call? Call Saul. Some are saying, what are you talking about? If you want to take out of the way those anti-God, anti-word, heretical followers of a false prophet named Jesus, who are you going to call? Call Saul. Well, if you don't know what we're talking about, there's a video, there's a TV program called called Saul, whatever like that. But we're going to talk about the Saul of Tarsus and his calling by God. So the background, Stephen in chapter 8, Stephen was about to be stoned. I think someone said he was the first stoner mentioned in the Bible. I'm not sure about that. And he said, look, I see heaven open and a son of man standing, not sitting. Jesus is not finished. He only sits when he's done. He's standing at the right hand of God. And Acts 7, 57 and 58, I think it's on the board. At this, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices. And they all rushed him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Acts 7, 59 through 8, 1. And while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus... Receive my spirit. Then he fell asleep on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. I don't know how in the world a person is being stoned. I can't imagine a more terrible way of dying than being in a pit or standing there, and they're, t- they're picking up stones. I don't know what size they are. And they're going to be hurling them at your head, at your body. How many times 
do you have to be hit by a stone before you die? I mean, he must have been marred beyond recognition, his face, his body. I mean, he was stoned. And yet, like Jesus, he could say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That means if, even if people do things against us, we should be able to cry out like them and say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He fell asleep, and Saul was there giving approval to his death. Why Saul? Why, of all people, why Saul? Why not someone else? Well, it seems that Saul had been the leader of the church's first widespread persecution. It was intense, it was severe, and we read that he put men and women in jail, in prison. But have you ever thought about what happens to the children? I mean, what happens to the children? The mothers and fathers are being put into prison, and if they have an extended family that knows Jesus, they're being put into prison. But what happens to the children? This is a terrible thing that, that, that Saul was doing. What happened to them? And yet God used this persecution to start a great missionary work in the church. Can I tell you, persecution has always had a, a, a revival effect among the people of God. If you go through history, whenever persecution came, sometimes like in China, the, the Chinese Christian church went underground. When Mao Zedong came, and millions went underground. But after 20 years or so, I, I forget the, the amount, but there was like 40 million Christians after they went underground. History shows that when persecution comes, how many of you know persecution is going to come? We're already there. You're already labeled as terrorists. I think I mentioned before in a, in a message, uh, some of our big leaders in our government <laughs> said, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the worst people that uh, against uh, uh, democracy is the church, is Christians, and so we're being labeled, and we see it happening. It's going to come, but you know what's going to happen? When persecution comes, those who know Jesus, they're going to cut off that serpent's head. Those who know Jesus, they're not going to back down. They're going to become bolder and stronger and more fervent for the things of Christ. So persecution, let it come. It came upon the early church. Saul was there, but the church grew. Saul was no doubt a God-fearer who thought he was serving God, that he was doing God a favor. I mean, he's removing, he's destroying, he's taking out the followers of the way. These rebels who had turned from serving the one true God in the one true word to following a heretical teacher whose name was Jesus. So in chapter 9, we're there now, chapter 9, verses 1 through 4, it's on Saul's conversion. Here we go. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So he, if he found any there who belonged to the way, say the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem, verse 3, as he neared Damascus on his journey. God had assigned Saul a journey. We've all here tonight been assigned a journey. Uh, and my book is called God's Appointed Road, The Road Less Traveled. 
Each of us have an appointed road. Every one of us do. An appointed road, and it's a road less traveled. Jesus said it this way. He says, you know, there's, there's this big wide road, wide road that leads to destruction. And there's a lot of people going down that wide road. And then there's this narrow road that leads to eternal life. And only, only a few find that road. So first of all, we are all on a journey appointed by God. Saul was on an appointed journey. And on his journey, it says, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell. Say, he fell. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice. He fell to the ground, and heard a voice. And the voice said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, there's a little fuller revelation of that in Acts chapter 26, verses 13 and 14. As Paul was standing before King Agrippa, he amplifies a little more what happened. He says, about noon, O king... As I was on the road, my appointed road, I saw a light from heaven. Now he amplifies it. Brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions. And look what he says here. He says, we all fell. The first first I mentioned, I fell. Now this light was so bright, we all fell to the ground. And I heard the voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. That's an interesting phrase. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. Let me give you three different translations. One translation says, it will be hard for you to rebel and resist. Can I say something? If God's put you on an appointed road and you're not following his voice, it's going to be hard for you to resist and rebel. And a second translation, by kicking against the goads, you are punishing yourself. Another translation uh, it is not easy for you to kick against your own conscience. So let me ask a question. What is a goad? What is it? It's a sharp stick. What was it used for? The goads, the sharp stick. Have you heard of a cattle prod? I mean, this sucker is, I don't know what they put in there. It's like, I mean, if, if someone came up with one of those laser, what do they call it, those, you know, taser and touch you, man, you're going to, it is going to knock you out. The cattle prod is full of, I don't know, batteries or what they put in there. That sucker, if you got hit by a cattle prod, you're not going to stay in one place. You're moving on. The, the goad or the prick is a sharp stick. That's to move the cattle along. So think about this. The Lord says, it's hard. Saul, it's hard for you to kick against the goads or against the pricks, the cattle prod. So I wonder how, how long God had been speaking to Saul to get him moving in the right direction. He was God's choice. He was the Lord's choice. So I'm thinking he, he must have been prodded some time. And this is an incredible response because in Acts 9, verse 5 and 6, after he sees the light, he falls on the ground, you know, and he says, Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I'm, I'm not sure exactly how he, how he raised that question. Who are you, Lord? Or who are you, Lord? Who are you? Are you, are you God Are you another someone else that I don't understand? Remember, Saul thought he was doing God a favor. Those Christians who were in the way, 
Saul thought it was his duty to take him out of the way. Maybe that's where he get the, 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 the saying, get out of the way. No, stay in the way. This is a good place to be. He said they were following false teachers whose name was Jesus. Who is this person that I'm calling their name? Lord, what Lord? Was it the God of all creation? Was it the God he served? Was it the Lord who gave the, the law of Moses? What, what Lord? Who are you? Who are you, Lord? I love the response. I often think of the response of Batman. Who are you? I'm, remember that? I'm ba- he couldn't get it out. But think of the response. Think of what Saul must have felt when he says, I'm out persecuting those people that are in the way. And they're following that, that, that heretic Jesus and they're, they're not following the laws. I'm on your side, God. Who are you? And Jesus says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into a city, and you will be told what you must do. Now, this is interesting, Acts 9, 7 through 9. The men traveling with Saul stood there, what? Speechless. They heard the sound. They heard the sound, but didn't see anyone. They heard the sound, but didn't hear the voice. We want to come to a place as we are on God's appointed journey for our life. We don't just hear the sound. We heard the word tonight, Christina. I had no idea you were going to bring that. You had no idea I was going to open it up for that. And the word came forth. You heard the sound, the voice. We want to do more than hear the sound. We want to hear, hear the voice. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground But when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand to Damascus. And for three days, what did he do? He prayed and fasted. Three days, he prayed and fasted. It was during those three days of prayer and fasting that he came to know Jesus. Three days. Still blind. But he came to know Jesus. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus. He came to know Jesus as his personal Savior in those three days. Then in Acts chapter 9, verse 10 through 14. In Damascus, there was a disciple named who? Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. Now I'm going to read the rest, verses 11 through 14. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. He's praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands upon him. By the way, there's a number of times when you hear people being have their hands placed on him. It's not single. It always seems to be in the plural. So when we pray for people, even come to the altar or go to their house, they need prayer. I'm saying, I think we need to pray, place both hands on them because that's what Ananias was told to do. He placed his hands and to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument. Say chosen instrument. He's my chosen instrument. Some of you here tonight are God's chosen instrument. You're here for a purpose. 
You know, I, I've met several already. I, I didn't know your names. I, I mean, I've seen you, but I didn't know your names. It's so good to see you here. Coming even from out of, out of town, you, you're showing up. But can I tell you that God has a plan and a purpose for you? Go, the man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him. Oh, boy. This next sentence here is why I, I'm not sure I want to be God's chosen. Uh, you know, appointed on my road like Saul was appointed to Israel. Listen, it says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So how much did, did, uh, how much did Paul actually suffer? I mean, here's this guy, God's chosen, God's appointed, on the road that God chose for him. And he's telling Ananias, you know, I've chosen him, but I'm going to show him how much he has to suffer. Wait, that doesn't sound very Christian to me. God chooses you to be a leader and, and touch the Gentile world, and you're supposed to suffer for it? Well, listen, listen to this. This is in 2 Corinthians. He says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Do you know why? Help me out. Why do they always say 40 minus one? What's the reason? The 40th will kill you. It's so bad. It's so bad to receive 40 lashes ripping at your skin. This is why I don't like to see the, the what's that movie, The Passion of Christ. That is so well done. And probably, if we're honest, it doesn't even come close to touching what really Jesus looked like. Because the Bible said he was so marred, they couldn't even recognize him. 40 minus 1. 40, he would die. 39 and, and Paul went through this how many times? Wow. Wow. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger from the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers. Whoa. And he's God's chosen. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food, have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressures of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? I tell you what, I think that uh, when Jesus said, I'm going to teach him the things he must suffer for my sake, it happened. I don't know for us when we're appointed on the road God has for us. I don't know what's in store for us, for you. I don't know how he's called your name. I don't know if there's suffering in store, but I do know this. That when we walk in obedience to the Lord's call, God has a plan and purpose for our life. He puts joy in our hearts and peace no matter what we go through. Can you say amen to that? Amen. amen. <laughs> Acts 9, 17-19. So, then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his what? 
hands on Saul, he said, well, this is interesting, Brother Saul, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you in the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again, you may be again, see again, and be, but be what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was what? Baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. You see what happened here? First, Paul, Saul, receives the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior and Lord. The second thing that happened is, as Ananias lays his hands on him, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it doesn't say he spoke in tongues here, but I think, I think probably can uh, assume he was because he later says, I think I got, I, God, I speak in tongues more than you all, you know. So it doesn't say spoken tongues, but I think many believe that that's when he actually spoke in tongues. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then, after he was saved, after he was filled with the Holy Spirit, then what happened? He was baptized in water. We share this because there are some that teach you have to be baptized in water to be saved. But we don't believe that. But we believe that Paul did it this way. Saul did it this way. He believed. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. And he was baptized in water. And then Acts 9, 19 through 30, I'm going to read with you if you have your Bibles. I don't think it's on the overhead. So listen, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, wait, wait, he just got saved. He just got, he just got saved. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who called on his name? And hasn't he come to here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? Verse 22, Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. How do you learn that in such a short period of time? That Jesus is the Christ. How? Divine intervention. Wow. After many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night. And what did they do? They lowered him in a basket to keep him from being killed. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. This is, he tried to join the disciples. It's like coming to a church and trying to get involved in a church, you know. You love the Lord. You want to be involved. But there's, wait, wait a minute. We don't know who you are. We don't know your name. We don't know anything about you. Uh, and you know what? We're discussing the, the elders. We had an elder meeting today at 5. Uh, several of us that are here tonight. Talking about there's a, need, there's a need in our church for fellowship. There are those. You may be here tonight. Just need someone to love on you, someone to embrace you, someone to care for you. And we as a church, we, we, need, to, we need to be more that way, to let people know we're, we're glad you're here. We love you. We care for you. What can we do? How can we help? So he wanted to join the disciples. But they were afraid of him, not believing he really was a disciple. But Barnabas, I love Barnabas. If I go to heaven, I don't want to see Paul first, tell you the truth. 
I want to see Barnabas. Jonathan's his name, Barnabas. I like Barnabas. He just has that spirit about him that cares for people, loves people. When Paul and who was it? Uh, Silas? No. Uh, Barnabas's cousin. Who's that? Anyway, when they had a disagreement, who was that, Gary? Mark, Mark. When uh, Mark had left them, someone said he's a mother's boy. I don't know about that, but anyway. He, uh, he kind of left them hanging on one of the, the adventurers, and now the, the uh, Barnabas, they want to go again and have Mark. And uh, Paul's, I don't know, Mark left us. I don't know, but he's kind of flaky, you know. And, uh, but here you have Barnabas, this wonderful man. He says, well, this, I'll take Mark. Come on, Mark. Come on, come on, John Mark. I love you, man. I'll take John Mark. Paul took Silas, and guess what happened? The gospel spread. God can cause all things to what? Work together for good for those who do what? Love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. So he went, uh, verse 28, so he stayed with them and moved about free in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. Verse 31, okay, now we're at 31, we're back together. Chapter 9, verse 31. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria did what? How many, how many, how often in the word do you see this? They enjoyed a time of what? Oh, we hear about, oh, the church went through it and it was terrible. And the persecution just came and they had no peace and, and they were full of joy, but they were just having heartache after heartache. And you read the Old Testament, it's the same thing. You read the Old Testament and it's all the stuff that Israel, that uh, Judah or Samaria, or all they went through, oh, terrible times. And then there's one little phrase, and they had peace for 40 years. <laughs> so we, we, we emphasize all the hardship and all the problems, but there are times of peace. And here we find that they had a time of peace. They had a time of peace. But you've got to finish the rest of the sentence. It, it was strengthened. The church was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Ghost. It grew in numbers. And what's the last part there? Living in the fear of the Lord. Living in the fear. Let, let me transpose it. Living in the fear of the Lord, they enjoyed a time of peace. And they were strengthened. And they were encouraged by the Holy Spirit. I was going to take you um, back to Exodus, just just briefly. Back in Exodus, can we go to ten o'clock tonight? Back to Exodus. Here, here's the scene. Okay, so it's on Mount Sinai. God saying to the people, listen. You guys stay off the mountain because if you don't stay off the mountain, you're toast. You know, God means what he says, doesn't he? You're, you're toast. And so it's recorded in Exodus 20, 18 through 20. It says, uh, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with what? Fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak, speak to us yourself and we will listen. But, but, but don't have God speak to us or we're going to die. And Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. God has come to test you so that what? The fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. 
we don't have time to really develop the theology of fear. But God means what he says in his word. Christina, a lot of what you said tonight, too. Uh, if we're going to be out doing our thing in disobedience to the Lord, God has a way of getting our attention and getting us back on track with him. And, and, and Moses says, don't, don't be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Well, I'm going to take a really quick Acts chapter 10. We're going to get this done tonight. Acts chapter 10. So now we're not calling on Saul. We're calling on who? Peter. So we, we mentioned before that the main two characters in the book of Acts was Paul, Saul, and Peter. Now, now Saul's out of the picture for a while, and Peter's in the picture. And we'll just read a few verses here. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion. You know what happens. Okay. So the Jews weren't supposed to have anything to do with the Gentiles. Okay. And Peter was in that camp. Ooh, no, no, no. Not involved with the Gentiles. But how many of you know God has a plan? God's plan was to send some people from the house of Cornelius okay, to go talk to Peter. But in preparation, Peter had this vision. What was it? Peter had a vision of what? This, this sheet came down and had what in it? All kinds of animals. What kind of animals? Unclean animals. And, you, and the Lord says, go on, eat them, Peter. Oh, no, 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 no. I can't eat stuff like that. Probably a bunch of pigs in there. I don't know. I can't eat that stuff. No, no, I don't eat clean animal, unclean animals. But Jesus, our God, Gives him the same vision. So, wait, wait a minute, wait, wait, no. Whatever I've made is not unclean. So, he, God was preparing Peter to receive those unclean Gentiles. So, all of a sudden, those guys from uh, Cornelius' house, they come and said, We had a vision. We're supposed to speak to you. And Paul, say, uh, Peter's probably thinking, Well, man, I don't usually have. Gentiles in my house, but since God spoke to me, he says there's nothing unclean that he makes clean. Come on in, spend the night with it. Can you imagine Peter inviting Gentiles into his house to stay all night? And you know what happened. They end up going together to the house of Cornelius. And I'm going to make a shortcut here. Chapter 10, verse 24. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. And verse 27, talking with Peter, they went up outside, and there was a large gathering of people. And um, he said, you're well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with the Gentiles or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure. Then I'll close with this. So he gets to the house of Cornelius. Not even sure what to do. He gets to the house of Cornelius. What type of man was Cornelius? He was called what? Saturian. And was also called what? Huh? A God-fearer. He was called a God-fearer. He loved the God of the Jews. Obviously, his heart was hungry for more. He was a God-fearer. And now, here's Peter in the house of Cornelius with all these Gentiles, because if you read further... He went out and bought it all, his friends and family. 
just like some of you. He went out and bought, you know, invited his close relatives. You got to come and hear this man. This man, you got to come and hear. If you're hungry for more, you got to come and hear him. And all his family shows up. And some Jews came with, uh, with Peter to the house of Cornelius. Here's how it went. Verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling them the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. Now, he's sharing the word now. He's giving the gospel. God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. I know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee and the baptism of John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. He's preaching the gospel. I'm almost done. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the, of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Here's the gospel. They killed him. By hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen uh, by all people, but was witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us who ate and drank with him and after he rose from the dead, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone, here's the gospel in a nutshell, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The gospel has just been delivered. Hallelujah. And here's what happened. Verse 44. While Peter was still speaking. Get back over here. These words. He's still speaking the gospel. He said, it's all about Jesus. It's all about coming to faith in him. And when you come to faith in him, your sins are forgiven. When he spoke these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, that is the Jews, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished. Say, the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Say, the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them doing what? Speaking in tongues and doing what? Praising God. The, the, Jew, the Jewish friends are saying, well, you know what? It happened to the Gentiles just like it happened to us on the day of Pentecost. You know why? Because Jews first, then Gentiles. Salvation came first to the Jews and then the Gentiles. The baptism of the Spirit came first to the Jews and now to the Gentiles. Let's close this up. Then Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized in water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with him for a few days. Do you see the pattern here? So there's Saul. He's saved, fasting and prayer. And then he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he's baptized in water. Here, the house of Cornelius they hear the gospel and they're saved. And then the Spirit comes upon them and they're filled with the Holy Ghost. They spoke in tongues and they praise God. And then Peter says, 
Well, can anything keep them from being baptized in water? Salvation, baptized in spirit, baptized in water. So you know what? Let's don't put God in a box. All we're concerned about is do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? By the way, if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're praying for an open door. I, I hope this will come before too long to actually pray, uh, preach of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to have that language that the Holy Spirit brings, that we can worship the Father. It's a language that comes deep from the heart to the Father's ears that we don't understand sometimes, but the Holy Spirit and the Father does. Well, that's another subject. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you need to. If you haven't been baptized in water, you need to. So thank you for coming tonight. This is a good word from the Lord. This is a good word, Christina, you have. Praise God. And as we close, let's pray. Father, thank you for these that have come. Lord, we're grateful for what happened in the book of Acts. We thank you for Saul's conversion. We thank you was filled with the Spirit. We thank you was baptized. We thank you began to preach and teach about Jesus Christ and prove that Jesus is the Christ spoken of in the Old Testament has become a reality in the New Testament. And Father, we thank you for what happened in the house of Cornelius. Wow. This God-fearer who loved you, who loved you. But he, he wanted more. There was more. And Peter came and brought that more. It was Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And him crucified. So, Lord, tonight, there are those here that have been put on an appointed road. God has given an appointed road. It's a road that he is pointing for you to follow. It's a road he sees the gifts that you have and the gifts you're going to use and how you're going to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ and lift up the body of Christ. He's appointed you on that road. And, and I need to tell you, don't kick against the pricks. Don't kick against the codes because God has a divine plan and purpose for every one of you. And some of you here tonight, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. I pray there will be times late at night, early in the morning, when all of a sudden you're prodded to get out of that bed and to seek the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. We didn't even talk tonight about the, the number of times God used the name twice. Martha, Martha. Simon, Simon. Jacob, Jacob. Moses, Moses. Abraham, Abraham. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. But I'm praying that there will be those here tonight that will hear the voice of the Lord. Not just hear the sound. Not just hear a sound. But hear the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And some may have, may hear their name mentioned twice. In such case, say, here I am, Lord, speak to me. Touch these tonight, Lord, bless them. We're asking God for an anointing upon the service Sunday as we talk about children and youth and adults. Show up, Father, by your spirit. Lead us and guide us. We honor you tonight and give you praise. And all God's kids said amen and amen. God bless you tonight. We'll see you Sunday. All right. You've been listening to Bakersfield First Assembly's weekly broadcast. BFA is located on the corner of California and Marilla Way. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in person and online on Facebook and YouTube. For more information, check out our website, bakersfieldfirst.com, or download our app from the App Store.